0: Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets did not add the backcourt depth that we all anticipated in the draft. So are the Orlando Magic the obvious location to look for help to lead this team? We break all down the options and the current roster. Coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast and the impending NHL draft for the Devil's Puck Luck podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free on all those great platforms. And Doug, there's one thing the Nets didn't do that the fans wanted them to do. And that was add a legitimate, a categorized as not jammed into the role point guard in this backcourt to make it feel like they can go into this season with all the boxes checked at positions of need. We take a look at Orlando now who has added, I think they're 33rd backcourt player.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think there was a certain segment of the fandom that wanted to go into this draft and walk out with Damian Lillard as the new point guard. Um sure. and that didn't happen. No. Uh, they did not. Yeah, uh spoiler alert, then that didn't happen. Uh Six not to say nice. it won't. I mean, th- well, not to say it won't. Sometimes you you do podcasts and they can be irrelevant by the time they hit you hit post and that could be the case here. I don't think it's going to be with Damian Lillard. Um but in, in terms of like a clear need for depth, I would say call it going forward. Right, like Mm -hmm. for this, even for this year, they probably could use some help with the depth. Um, And going forward, clearly that's going to be a position of need for the for the Nets in some form or fashion. And that was not addressed here at all in the draft. And I think you ended up pointing out there's a team out there in Orlando, and this is you know this is credit to you here that a team in Orlando that all of a sudden has is sort of like lousy with point guards, right? And 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 kind of young guys too. And we'll talk about some of the mechanics around it, but I think there's probably there's a world where this should be explored for, the, for Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, you take a look at it, obviously they end up taking Anthony Black in the NBA draft. That's the guy that we you know we targeted, obviously, going to be good. He goes even sooner than anticipated because yeah. of the quality player that he is. When you look in the backcourt and you know that Markel Fultz is there, we'll talk about the money around some of these players, too. And then in behind them, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony it's just you have Michael Carter Williams happens to be down there too uh when you look through their depth chart uh, not, by the right way now. not all point not all point guards they just have an unbelievable amount of guard depth I think it was yes, I think exactly. that's the point you're like, trying to make. right yeah yes exactly yeah not 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 all pure point guards just guys that are occupying their backcourt and the bottom line being you only have so many minutes that you're going to give out they also have Jet Howard like they're, they're, their roster is changing and reshaping here on the fly and they're not going to have room for quality minutes for these players and oh by the way In the instance of a lot of these guys, you're talking about players that are coming up at the end of their contracts. Some have player options, some have club options the following year. But by and large, this is kind of a make a decision now if you want value or potentially let these guys walk. And the Magic are moving in the direction of they want to start winning real basketball games here. And that's where I think the Nets can capitalize on having too many backcourt players. And probably needing potentially some veteran depth in the front court to help round out their roster and feel like they can start pushing towards the playoffs. Yeah, this is a really interesting situation. And I think
1: that, um, I think you totally nailed it in terms of a team that really could look to, they might say to themselves, hey, we're just too good to tank again here. Yeah. And they really weren't tanking. I mean, I think they were like above 500 for the second half of the season or something like that. Like they were just decent last year. They've added more. They've added more talent. Obviously, if you take Anthony Black this high, you envision him sort of as like a key contributor to your team going forward, even if it's not in year one. Mm-hmm. But you just don't take a dude this high if he, if he if he's not part of your vision going forward. And you're totally correct. At that point, you just have too many guys in the backcourt to one to be able to functionally play play and two to be able to functionally pay and where that could really line up with the nets I, I, you know is it it's not gonna be anthony black obviously but what are their feelings about <laughs> <Fultz>? Going <laughs> well but what, what are their feelings about Fultz, who you know started to show some not first round first overall pick skills but not massive bust stuff either <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in terms of last year cole anthony who's been essentially relegated to a bench role uh, with this team is coming up on his first probably major contract and is only 23 years old. And so, yeah, I, I, like, I'm, like I mean, I'm really intrigued by this situation because at some point, like you said, Orlando is just going to have to be in the move department on these dudes just because there's just not enough time and money. Uh, like I, it's kind of that simple and that's what made the Anthony black pick a little head scratching, and also maybe not that surprising because it shows you too, hey, what do they signal? Cole Anthony, not part of our future. Yeah, right? Like that was like, you know, maybe Jalen Suggs, not part of the future, not your, your point guard, but like maybe just not part of the future.
0: And that's just a clear signal you send when you make an Anthony Black pick like that. So, we'll rundown before we talk about maybe specifically which guys we would prefer or like. Um, you mentioned Jalen Suggs just there. They've exercised the club option for the upcoming season, 7.2 million. There's a club option for 24 25 for 9.1 million. You've got a player like Cole Anthony, he's making just 5.5 million this year. And then they have club exercise the option for that, 5.5. And then it'll be a restricted free agent the following season. With 7.7 million set as the qualifying offer, so just like these numbers can start to make a lot of sense from a Brooklyn Nets standpoint, having a little bit of control and and still keeping it reasonable on your books. Gary Harris, on the other hand, obviously the big difference with him is going to be the age—29 years old, non-guaranteed, 13 million coming into this season—and then now this one we can talk about who we like and what we prefer. The reason why I don't even include Markell Fultz in this is because he's currently making 17 million in the upcoming season and that just seems that to me seems difficult for the Nets if you're talking about what are you going to offer how are you going to make a deal work taking a guy like him who is going to have only partially guaranteed by the way in the upcoming season it's just that one seems like it needs a little more work as opposed to low cost and, and a high upside just so we round out um where those options lie yeah i personally think we're just talking about Cole Anthony here uh, like i i think I, that's I, 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 yeah
1: yeah, I think that's kind of where I at least for me, right? Because it's not so much like I'm this a huge uh like you know Cole Anthony believer here. It's just mostly again like just make your own hierarchy where the nets or the magic guards are, right? Like yep. he's just the lowest guy on the totem pole. You can't he's up for a rookie scale contract. It's like hard to imagine they go all the way there with him just because mm-hmm. just because of who they've already brought in the door. So I think at that point, I mean and we'll bring it up about to the break here, but like is Cole For me, it's like, you know, Gary, again, Gary Harris, not a point guard and old. So like, whatever. Uh, Suggs, not a pure point guard. um, Probably still too early in based on where they drafted him to really consider. And like, and they're probably not going to cut bait with him now. And again, like it doesn't fit the pure point guard role. So like, whatever. These other dudes though, Fulton Black do project that way. And at that point, I think we're just talking about Cole Anthony. So maybe after this, we'll, we'll break into like, you know, quickly. And then we'll go through the Nets depth as
0: well, but you know, where we land on Cole Anthony as a target. Yeah, know, why Cole Anthony is the point guard target for the Brooklyn Nets on the Orlando Magic roster. We dive into that after this. Quick break so I can tell you about eBay Motors because for a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just Right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that your part that you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage that's on eBay motors, not my garage and look for the green check so that you know your part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only applies to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, so it's funny, man, because I think you ended up rounding to where I got to. As you said, very bullish on the fact that I started noodling around after I saw Anthony Black go to Orlando. You start looking at the court and the contracts and, and looking at them as being an option for a trade partner. Um, and people were saying, you know, every, what about Suggs? What about this? What about Markel Fultz? Again, the money, et cetera. And I kept coming back to no Cole Anthony is just kind of the guy that you want to look at here. Now, what's interesting for me is you can go net offensive and defensive rating. The splits are at least positive. I think about plus two, two, two and a half. Um, I'm going to go like one fourteen, one eleven, 14, or like his splits, but this is the interesting question I have for you. When you look at, you mentioned, got relegated to a bench role. A year prior, played and started 65 games, almost 32 minutes a night. 39 from the field, almost 34 from beyond the arc. uh, You know, 43 from two-point range. And then the effective field goal percentage of 46. Great free throw shooter, by the way, which I really love. If I wanted to, I'm going to start, quote, concern. And then tell you why you still go ahead and do this if you can. Because the Nets need a player like this. When he got into this reduced role... Just 25, 26 minutes, everything goes up. The field goal percentage, the three-point shooting, even his free-throw shooting, it's almost 90. Is there any pause that you take around the fact that it's once you remove him from a starting role that a lot of these things start to blossom? A little bit reduced expectations, a little bit less pressure on him. Is that going to be translatable where he's ready to take that next step? Because incrementally, he's improved year over year in every category that matters.
1: I think the thing with Cole here is not so much that like you're worried about it. I think you just can kind of just look at it and know exactly what you're going to get Uh floor floor and ceiling, which is to say like, there's not a huge ceiling here, mm-hmm. but the floor is high enough. So like, I don't think you're bringing in some kind of ground shifting point guard to the mix here, but I think you're just bringing in like a good solid NBA rotational guy who found himself sort of out of the mix because Fultz, was starting to realize some of the potential that that people had been sort of dreaming on with him since he got taken first in the draft a few years ago, right? Yeah. Um. And so I think it's more of a function of that than an anti Cole Anthony thing on the um um the Magic. I don't think. Look, he's like, is he's not like the, the athleticism doesn't pop. It's not like he's like this amazing three level scorer. He's like a sort of functional run-your-offense, probably can take enough, get to the rim just enough to make it reasonable, can run, uh, like, sort of, you can run high pick-and-roll with him and feel okay about it, and he's Mm -hmm. not going to murder you with three-point shooting, but he's also, you know, not peak Steph or anything. So I think you kind of just, like, know what you're getting, and I just don't think he has a tremendous ceiling. So that's always going to sort of, like, limit some of the options, but I do think the floor is high enough. Does that make sense? I, like, I think that that's, I think that's why he probably doesn't pop off the page. But the Nets could just use guys like this. Like, if they're not well, going to have, if if they're not going to have, you know, Lillard or whatever, or, or you know, and and Dinwiddie is not the point guard of the future. Could you play like you know the next contract through with Cole Anthony and feel okay about it? I think you probably could, right? And so, yeah, um, I, I think that's where I
0: land. Yeah, for sure. And and like, and by the way, like, I I know at least I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but like, it's like that's a good thing like saying like hey it's enough to play through the next contract and feel good about it like where the nets are right now you need that you need some level of stability and you can even reference the idea of like tyus jones on the expiring 14 million and at 27 years old and then the next big contract is going to come and how would you feel about it are, are there things when you look at tyus jones game and say oh like you can like that more sure but would i like it less if i was paying him you know 20 million or whatever the number is going to be on the next contract. Right. So it is all relative to cost too. Do I wish Cole Anthony was a little bit taller? Sure. Do I wish he was a baller? Maybe. No. The bottom, but like there are things that you wish he was a little bit more of. And the other thing I'll tie into here before we turn our attention to the Nets current backcourt, just in terms of functionality, right at the highest level inside of the starting rotation. I don't think it's hard in this moment to look at the starting rotation. Spencer Dinwiddie bridges right now. Johnson DFS Nicholas Claxton. You don't have to squint too hard and say, hey, depending on who you're bringing into the front court, you can maybe kick bridges up to the three for certain sets and bring in Cole Anthony to play alongside with Spencer Dinwiddie. Because why? Dinwiddie's a little bit bigger. You can have him switch on certain defensive assignments. Like you can envision a world where these guys can play off each other a little bit and have a, a different dynamic that can translate into the second unit specifically about what other options the nets could go to here, why we think they need to look outside of the building, potentially then comes down to who's currently on their roster and whether or not guys like David Duke, Jr. Edmund Sumner, like there, there are names here. Are these players that are more deserving or better suited to have an opportunity than going and making a trade for Cole Anthony. We'll talk about what it takes to get Cole Anthony. And if, the options currently on the roster are any better in just a second. Doug, take the lead here. What is it? What does it require of the Brooklyn nets? As we're talking about improving the backcourt, they weren't able to do so through the draft. The Orlando magic have a gluttony at the position. What do you think it takes realistically to get Cole Anthony from Orlando understanding he's only 22 years old, which by the way is effectively like the nets drafting a point guard because of his age. Um, Is it, a little more easily achievable given that Orlando has to make a decision about some of these players.
1: I mean, we're only speculating here, so they've never signaled any of this and they might just be able to be like a year oh. away and say, Hey, let's just run it with what we have and, and us see where we go. I mean, I probably. We fir- <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking probably first round pick potential, Um, but you know, it, it's so hard because you don't want to move off some of these like Phoenix picks, which are going to look real, real juicy here in the late stages. So I don't think you ever want to, package those together um it, it would take picks i don't think the nets the nets don't have like the players to throw back unless the magic were like hey we actually do need real wing help at this point point. and yeah. ma- ma- you know maybe if the magic can tell themselves a story about needing wing wing veteran depth that they just they because they don't have that right like if they're mm-hmm. if they're looking to, if the magic say to themselves hey we want to make a playoff push this year and that's sort of where we want to go then they could, you know, they're kind of set at the center position with Wendell Carter Jr. They have, I mean, we've already said they have tons of guards. They, they probably could use some, like they could definitely just use more shooting. That's why they took Jed Howard here, right? Like, so they, you know, maybe they'd say lose no
0: in free agency potentially,
1: right? But like, I mean, shooting is clearly what they need. And I'm not sure, like, the Nets can really solve that. I mean, Royce O'Neal, does he solve your sort of wing depth and shooting struggles? Me, I'm not really. Does Dorian Finney-Smith do it? Totally. Not really. But maybe. Like, maybe those guys are matches. Dep- but there's you're telling yourself a story with the Magic that they are – those are like, hey, we're trying to make the playoffs, right, <laughs> kind of moves. Well, and – they might do it. I mean, maybe that is enough. I don't know. Like, this is one's a little confusing sometimes when you're trying to make up value on your own and not having read it from a bunch of other speculative places um, because they've already been reported. It
0: can be kind of tough to land on this, but this is actually it doesn't feel out. doesn't feel out of the box. Well, no. And here's the funny thing about it. That's what I you know, when I was ruminating on it. It's yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith. Like you said, you need some wing depth. This makes sense. Thirteen million. The Nets are you know trying to clean up some things. However, go back and listen to our draft recap episode. You just mentioned, yeah, Orlando, a team that wants to make the playoffs. What are the Brooklyn Nets, a team that wants to make the playoffs? What do they need to have? Some solid wing play. And this is where we keep kind of, again, we mentioned Sean Marks being of two minds. Well, then it starts to make me be of two minds in terms of what you have to go get them. So just in that regard, I think you're right in saying it's probably going to be draft capital. More, more likely than not. Now, can the Nets, this is another really interesting piece to it. Can the Nets give a pick, some level of asset? Are they debating first round? Where's that value going to be? And then say, hey, guess what, Orlando? You have a lot of cap space. We are going to come after Cole Anthony, but we're also going to dump a contract on you, right? Like, if you can find a way to move off of the Joe Harris money because it doesn't absolutely crush them around their cap space – you'd like to do it. Now, does that mean, what are we talking about? Right. It'll we'll begin to another first round pick. Now we're getting way too rich and it's not worth it. The other big piece to this too, not just in us trying to gauge where that value is and what the cost is, is what, what is that relative cost? Now we we keep mentioning over the course of this off season, the new CBA and how it impacts, right? Like the dumping salary piece looks a little bit different. Now the attaching of assets looks a little bit different now. So what world that falls into would be fascinating. I think at a minimum, I would say something like, if it takes a first-round pick potentially, then I'm I'm pushing to like throw Patty Mills into that because it covers the cost of bringing in Cole Anthony, and it's a low enough number that I don't think Orlando really minds it. You get him to Orlando, they buy him out, and he moves on, right? So there's some mechanism there. And then I think the next question just becomes, is there anybody on the Nets roster that you feel is more deserving of getting this opportunity? Right? Is Cole Anthony? seismically better, and we're just talking about guards overall here when we look at this roster, is he seismically better than running Edmund Sumner back out there in the backcourt? Is he leaps and bounds clearly? And by the way, I'll clarify this. He is, right now, leaps and bounds better than a David Duke Jr., who hasn't been able to play consistently at the NBA level. Cole Anthony, whatever he is or isn't, started 65 games two seasons ago and came in with consistency playing 26 minutes off the bench. Is there anything currently on the Nets roster where you would say, if we're pushing for a first round pick, I'm going to look in house here first, because one of my 13 minds for Sean Marks is that he wants to give the young talent an opportunity.
1: Oh yeah. His name is Ben Simmons. (laughs) Oh And he makes $40 $40 million a year or whatever for the Brooklyn Nets. And he's supposed to be playing point guard for this team. I don't know. We go through this every single time. I know know we just conveniently skipped over this. $38 million. Let's just a quick reminder on the Ben Simmons contract. $38 million for next year. uh, And $40.3 million. The year after, I mean, the clear answer, and I'm not, we're not going to spend the last like little bit here, the whole bit here on Simmons, because it's just been, we've been down this road so many times, but this is going to all, it's always going to come back to him as long as he's on the roster. As long as Ben Simmons is on the roster, we have to mention him as being the next guy that has to show that he has to be able to get these minutes and I will ever be able to ever
0: going to be right.
1: Yeah, but he's gonna well, he's gonna get the first, second, and third, and fourth look every yeah. single time here because as long as he can play, because that's what the he's shown in the past that he has that kind of upside, and he makes all the money. So, you know, when we talk about backup, I mean, right now Ben Simmons is projected. Ben Simmons is projected to be the backup point guard right now. Like that is his functional role on this team. It's hard to imagine him starting just because of we what we haven't seen, but in terms of running at least the second unit, like that has to be all him for as long as he's on the team and he can play because you just have to hope that he can, you can recoup some of the value on him. So I I know that's not where you originally went because you went to these other guys that it's sometimes easier to dream upside on. I still do think we probably have to be in the dreaming of upside category on sorry, we're not really dreaming upside. We're dreaming of the floor on Ben Simmons at this point, but right. Like, yeah, he, he's the backup point guard. I'm I, not to bum everybody out here, but like he's like a, he is the backup point guard. Those other guys you mentioned, I'd much rather have Cole Anthony than Edmund Sumner. I'd much rather play Cole Anthony than David Duke Jr. I think those are pretty obvious, but I don't know. I kind of rambled here to make my Ben Simmons
0: thing, but does that make no, sense? No, like but he's they, the backup the the back point guard. And here and here's where I think it makes sense. To, well, it always makes sense to bring him up because he makes $40 million. So you should probably mention the guy that occupies a significant portion of the cap space. It makes more than your franchise now player in Mikhail Bridges by about $15 million. It's no big deal. Bringing him up makes sense. And the reason why it makes sense is this, this could be the new Sean Marks nickname, Hedge. Sean Marks' hedge on this is, could Ben Simmons come back? Can he be healthy? Could he have a role for us? Of course he could. So, Am I going to spend a first-round pick to go get Cole Anthony, who I may have to pay a year later if I want to keep him around, or as a one-year rental? Can I not turn DFS or Royce O'Neal into the capital so it doesn't affect the long term, right? All of those factors then turn me back into the Nets roster and what they currently have. I agree with you on Sumner moving past him. What I am going to say is, is whatever you thought about David Duke Jr., in these last few seasons, last couple of seasons for the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and championship aspirations. It's a different era. And if you're going to tell me that the Nets need to be developing their young talent and giving them the opportunities, and you have coaches now elevated from G League, there are things there from a developmental player that you drafted and have been working on for the last two years that suggest he's deserving of an opportunity to be in the rotation. The easy dismissal of that the last couple of seasons is what the agenda was for this team. You need veteran backup point guards. The fact, Nets, the fact that Nets never had anyone, that's neither here nor there. But now it looks different. And I don't have to, like, I am dreaming on his upside, but I don't have to squint hard and say, like, should David Duke Jr. have every opportunity to earn an NBA-level rotation spot with the Brooklyn Nets? Yes, he should. And if you want to go get Cole Anthony to confirm or deny and kick David Duke Jr. out, That's fine, but name a guy currently on the roster that's more deserving of that opportunity than him. I think with David Duke
1: Jr., I'm all for giving young guys a chance. I just don't – I personally don't see it at this point. Now, is he, like, light years better than Cole Anthony? Maybe not. I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry, is Cole Anthony light years better than him? Probably not, but, I mean, I think clearly Cole Anthony can play at the NBA level, and I think David Duke Jr. is going to struggle to do it. I get why – we sort of want to end up falling in, not falling in, falling in like with guys that have been in and around the roster for a long time because you want to see them do well. And he has had sort of eye popping numbers at Long Island for a while now. I think with 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 that though, I think we've just seen too many examples where the G League stuff doesn't always just translate mm-hmm. to to the NBA level. And I get like, I think to, for the G League stuff to translate, it has to be sort of like eye popping. And I'm just not sure that David Duke Jr.'s numbers are. And I think, actually, to some degree, we've gotten enough of a sample size with him at the NBA level. You not crazy huge numbers, but he's played, you know, 45 games. I know some of these are really, really limited minutes. I just think that, like, what there's certain things he just doesn't do well enough. And I think we sort of know it at this point. And I don't know. I, I want these guys to succeed, believe me. But I just don't think... They just have to be other, there have to be significant other options that the nets have to have to look for. And by the way, I I'm, I'm kind of of the same mind with Sumner too. Like I I think that Sumner showed some really, really nice stuff. I just don't think these guys have like sort of the level of control. I don't think they can run high pick and roll. Like I, like, and you just, there's certain things you just have to be able to do to be an NBA point guard on a functional, like sort of mini starting level. One is run again, run, run, pick and roll. I don't think we've seen enough evidence that these guys can do it. Um, and after that, the shooting has to really pop off the page. And for neither of those guys, it just doesn't for either of
0: those guys for me. So I don't know. That's just kind of where I land with them. And by the way, there's other 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 players and guys that are, what, maybe 23-24 right now that are down in G League. The Nets just drafted last season, by the way, that are also in the backcourt potentially for them. I'll close on my thoughts. And re- the real reason I bring up David Duke Jr. is not just because I'm a fan of young players, but primarily because, again, if you're Sean Marks and you're telling me you're doing this type of thing, then there's no okay, let him go out there and let him be bad. You know, let him be bad. Let him confirm the fact that this past season, his numbers dropped, plummeted from beyond the arc. In his first year up at the, at the big league level, 15 minutes per game, 24% from beyond the arc, shot under 10% from deep in his limited opportunities this past season. Those numbers have gone off the rails. And by the way, pros, decent shooter, especially from deep, decent score off the dribble. Uh, excels off the ball in motion plays. There are a couple elements about his game that I actually think would benefit if he wasn't playing around the superstars, which have a ball-dominant style. But everything about his, con- his cons, lacks elite first step, can struggle to score in traffic, can play too wildly on offense. These are all things that have still bore themselves out at the NBA level for him. All of this to say that, obviously, David Duke Jr. was the, the headline for this episode. All this to say is the Nets need to improve their backcourt play And it has to be one of two things. Commit assets and capital. Go get a guy like Cole Anthony and make that marginal step forward or live with what you currently have on your roster and trust the developmental process that you want to have. Picking a lane, picking a lane this offseason is going to be the theme here. And I don't have any conviction around what lane the Nets are choosing when it comes to their backcourt, when it comes to getting another on-ball point guard that can really help facilitate this offense for this team going forward. Yeah, this would be fascinating to see how they kind of tackle this.
1: I still think, you know, going back to our last episode, that this is uh, these the Nets are are just sort of two teams running in parallel right now, and I'm hoping that there's some kind of convergence on the strategy. Yeah, and I'm just not sure it's going to be like what that's going to be, and it's going to it's going to mean you know making sort of decisions about what they want to do developmentally or just kind of going in with the picks that they have because they don't they seem to be operating two separate tracks, the point guard thing. Is like that, and maybe, and and to some degree, maybe they're just stuck in having to wait. They're stuck in having to wait for Ben Simmons. They're stuck in having to wait to see what Damian Lillard wants to do. Like they're stuck in having to wait to see if like some of these guys are able to develop. Like there could just be a waiting game that they can't really get around. So it's gonna be a fascinating. Uh, look at this uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're going to dive as much as possible into this as we get into free agency. We're sure there's going to be other news around the Nets that's going to come up over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Really appreciate the numbers just continuing to grow. Grew all, you know, really jumped through the draft. Much appreciative of everyone that jumped into that. Let's have a
0: climb through free agency too, baby. As the Nets continue to make moves. I don't have a quote. I was looking over the Nets G League roster at the moment. So uh, yours truly. Okay. A little confused. We
1: are going to be back again uh, tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.